The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Jordan Davis, this last summer, he, he released um, what, is, what has gone on to be um, a wildly popular brand new country song. And it's called By Dirt. And in this, in this country song, I'll send it to you later, he pictures an old man. The way he tells it, it's, it's a man that's just a few days away from 80. And he's, he's sitting on his back porch, you know, with the sun coming up, and he's obviously reflecting on his life. He remembers the joys, the regrets, the guilt, all of it. He's thinking about these things. He's sipping on coffee. A young man sits down next to the the man going on 80. And the old man asks a simple but profound question. He says, what are you doing? And the young man says back, in a poetic way, chasing dollars. And apparently, I think that the old man thought, that's the wrong answer. But he doesn't quite come out with it that way. And without waiting for the young man to want his wisdom or ask for his advice, it just starts, you know, it starts spilling out of him. This is This is what we might think of as like a settled wisdom, an experienced wisdom, a wisdom that's done it all. And it's a wisdom that that just kind of pours out of your heart because you don't want that person to make the same mistake. So he says to the young man, if you're going to chase the dollar, at least use the dollar to, and this is the name of the song, buy dirt. And then he sings this. If you want my two cents, and the young man never said he did, making a dollar count by dirt. Find the one you can't live without. Get a ring, let your knee hit the ground. Do what you love, but call it work. Throw a little money in the plate at church. Send your prayers up and your roots down deep. Add a few limbs to your family tree. And watch their pencil marks grow. And the grass and the yard all grow up. Because the truth about it is, it all goes by real quick. You can't buy happiness. But you can buy dirt. Buy dirt. I don't know if Solomon would say it quite that way. (laughs) We're going to see as we work through the book of Ecclesiastes here this fall. But we can say this, that what Solomon's going to offer us in this sermon series as as we work through the book of Ecclesiastes is what we might call a kind of settled wisdom or a back porch wisdom. Like Solomon's this guy who's going on 80, he's done it all, and now he wants to tell the young man that he shouldn't make the same mistakes. I mean, this, this, this book, to put it another way, it's not Song of Songs. 
Another book that Solomon wrote. Solomon's, Solomon's blood, you might say, is not running hot with passion like Song of Songs. In fact, Solomon seems to get it by experience. He later says in Ecclesiastes 12, almost embarrassingly, that he understands what it means to have desire no longer stirred. He's an old man. Ecclesiastes is a book. It's also not Proverbs. Proverbs, it's got a little bit more mature wisdom than Song of Songs. But it's now this father who's instructing his young son in the way that things should go. And Ecclesiastes isn't that either. Ecclesiastes is a settled wisdom. It's a wisdom that comes after you've done it all. You've done the building projects. You've sought ambition. You've seen what sex can do for your life and money and popularity and fame. And then you've come to the end of it all. And now you know what life is really about. So Solomon... In this book, what he's trying to do is offer to you this settled spiritual, spirit-guided wisdom so that you do not make the same mistakes. But instead, you hear from this older, wiser man what a full and significant life really is. Will you pray with me as we start in this book, and then we're going to read our text for today. Holy Spirit, thank you for the book of Ecclesiastes. We know it's a brutal book, but you want us to come to the end of everything that this world offers so that we can really live for Jesus, our Savior. We ask that you would open our hearts to this settled wisdom today and live and grow in it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is from Ephesians chapter 2. This is going to be our text for today. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well. The delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. This is God's word. 
Solomon, he should have known better. He should have known better. He should have known that, that when he went into that closet, that's how we might picture it. When he went into that closet with all the world's pleasures and with everything that the world had to offer, he should have known. He should have known that what he was going into was a toy chest with old and cracked and dusty toys. Toys that had been used and overused and abused mercilessly over the centuries, over and over and over again. He should have known. He, sh he should have known that, that, that it, it was like when he went into that toy chest of pleasures, <laughs> that, that it's like kind of when the iPhone 13 comes out, that you would go in and let, let me see if I can get an iPhone 5 that's cracked and broken and the operating system barely even works. He should have known that it was like doing that. Or, or C.S. Lewis, I think he, he puts it so beautifully. He, he compares such a thing to, to like going to a slum and making um, mud pies. He says this. He was like an ignorant child who wants to go down, go on making mud pies in a slum because we cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. He should have known before he even started into the grand research experiment that we see here. He should have known that all he was doing was picking up an iPhone 5. All he was doing was making mud pies. All he was doing was going into a closet full of old, worn-out toys. But he had to try. And oh my goodness, did he try. <laughs> Didn't he try? Look, look, what he, look at what he says. He tried so entirely that he said, I denied myself nothing that my eyes desire. He was a connoisseur. He, he tried it all. He tried, he tried the ancient ver version first of Saturday Night Live and see if that would work. He tried to laugh. But then he saw the injustices of the world and people dying and people hungry and he thought, this is absurd. This is stupid. How can I laugh? He tried alcohol. I mean, he, he drank until he felt good. He drank until he felt really, really good. <laughs> he says, he actually says that he drank until he embraced, look at what it says, foolishness. But then, but then, probably while he's clutching the toilet, hugging it in the middle of the night, going through last night's dinner, it hit him. This is stupidity. This isn't helping. He tried women. I mean, and, and nobody's tried women like Solomon. This, this, by the way, this is gross. This is, this is sin. This is a disgusting experiment. He goes into women in the middle of the night. He comes back out and he's thinking, I'm still lonely. I, I, I'm still not fulfilled. 
I feel gross. I feel disgusting. I feel guilty. It's absurd. He, he tried building projects. Like he's going, he's knocking it down. One thing after another. Can you name one pleasure on the face of the earth that he didn't try? He built great things and he'd get done with them and say, well, wow, that's meaningless. Who cares? His wisdom stayed with him the whole time. He tried it all. And he got to the end of it and he said, this is verse 11, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. He should have known. He should have known that it wouldn't work, but he had to try. He had to try. Do you have to try? You should know better. What would Solomon say to you? Think about that. What would he say to you if you are really honest about his question? What are you doing with your life? And maybe you'd say back, really honestly, I'm just trying to get, Solomon, I'm just trying to get to Friday every, every week. I just want to get to Friday because then I can drink and I can, I can find a woman or a man and live the good life. What would he say? Well, that's meaningless. Kind of gross, too. Or maybe you're the person, I, I, you, you would say, Solomon, you know what I'm doing with my life? I, I, am, I am pursuing ambition. I'm going to make myself a career. I'm going to make lots of money. And by the time I'm done, everybody's going to know my name. And you know what Solomon would say? Climb that mountain isn't worth it. That's meaningless, too. What would Solomon say? What, are, what is it that you're pursuing in your life that you think are you trying to build a house? Are you, what is it that you're doing in your life that you think is going to bring you contentment, that you think is the good life, and then what would Solomon say back to you? This too is meaningless. In fact, what he said, this is such a striking metaphor. He says that it's a chasing after the wind. Think of, maybe you're one of them. Think about all those people running around Manhattan. What, what is it that they're doing? And why are they doing it? It's easier not to even think about it, isn't it? It's easier just to not even think about it, not even for a moment, and just bury ourselves in, in our brand new phones or whatever it might be, than to ask ourselves why. Because at the end of the day, Solomon would say, it, it's like chasing the wind. It's like, it's like, let me see if I can catch that blast of wind. You put your arms around and you come up with nothing. That's what he says. Joking. Madness. Alcohol, sickening. Sex, empty and not guilt-free. All of it, pointless. That's what he says. That's that, that's that back porch, you know, settled kind of spirit given wisdom that he wants to push into our lives, but he doesn't want us to take it too far, but not in such a way that we stop pursuing what is a full life. You see, one of the things you got to get about the book of Ecclesiastes and is this. Everything that Solomon says is bombastic. Isn't it? 
This, this is bombastic. This is, this is far out there. Do you really mean that everything is meaningless, Solomon? There's tension in it, see? Solomon, Solomon, in the verses right before this, he says that actually writing books and offering wisdom is meaningless too. And yet, what does he do? He wrote a book. He wrote it all down and offered wisdom. There's tension in that, isn't there? You see that? He thinks, this is so ironic. He thinks that everything that he offers in this book is meaningful. So meaningful that he wanted to write it down. Everything that he says is filled with meaning. So he he wants to at least help us to fall into a kind of despair that anything pursued for its own sake, whether it be alcohol or sex or drug or ambition or fame or building projects or whatever it is, that if it is pursued for its own sake, it's empty. But that doesn't mean everything in life is meaningless. In fact, why is it that Jesus came? You see, I I think a lot of Christians and even pastors, they get this wrong. They get this whole book wrong. They they think that, that Solomon's depressed here or like he's this Eeyore or, you know, he... Like he, that's what he actually means, that everything, everything, everything is meaningless and couldn't be farther from the truth, I think. What Solomon wants us to despair of is a life apart from God. But a life with God. In Jesus' name. Is meaningful. See, Jesus... He not only saved our souls, he did that. He, he saved us from our empty way of life, as the Apostle Paul Peter put it. But he not only redeemed our souls, he redeemed, he redeemed our lives. Our entire lives. They matter. They're meaningful. In fact, everything that God is doing in our life is a gift to you. And if we could receive it that way and understand it that way, we wouldn't have to think, I have to do something extraordinary in my life. Instead, we can receive the very ordinary that God gives in our life and live in joy and satisfaction in the small things. You know, one author, one Christian author kind of put it this way. Maybe what we need in our lives is, is a soundtrack. What if, what if our lives were put to a soundtrack and they were edited as if they were movies? Would we get it better than what the high points of our lives really are? And would we find joy and satisfaction in the gifts of God? I thought about this, like, what if, what if the camera zoomed in and the music got, you know, culminating 
when you see a father and a mother who stand outside the public school with their kids and they pray together. That's a high point of our lives, isn't it? That's beautiful. That's meaningful. Or what if, what if the music zoomed in and you're at, you know, you're at work and you're pushing papers and writing those reports that you hate writing? But then you take the time to care about a coworker. That's meaningful. It's not empty. You see, you know, I can't, we can't do this all any, you know, too much more here this morning, but I just want to introduce this idea that, that in the very ordinary things of life, the daily interactions, the things that we might even consider boring, that's where God is. Those are the things that matter. And maybe... Maybe it's not ridiculous to think about it in this way, that the meaningful life isn't too different than buying dirt. Amen.